Internet Brand Strategist Sandra Beck interviews top business coaches, speakers, authors, and thought leaders to bring you the best business tips, tricks, and techniques to give your idea the best possible chance for success. From writing your first novel to telecommuting from home to taking your small business to infinity and beyond. Now here's your host, Sandra Beck. Now we are so blessed and so excited to have Dr. Geraldine Tegelov with us on the show today. And we are going to be talking about the idea of forced telecommuting. With the current global health crisis, what's happening is lots of schools, lots of companies, lots of industries are either encouraging or mandating that their employees work from home. And this is causing a boom in telecommuting or working from home while you work for a larger agency. And I think for many of us, and you know, Dr. Tegelov and I have both had the experience of working in and out of a home office. There's some pros and cons to each. And as many of our listeners move into that arena of either being forced to work from home or choosing to work from home, I think there's lots of psychological things that people should be aware of. So they're not caught unaware. Dr. Tegelov, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Sandra. I'm, I'm just so excited to be here again. I love your shows and I love chatting about these topics that, that are really meaningful and important to so many people, particularly at the moment. Well, and I think it's, it's especially difficult when you're told to do something. You know, if you choose to work from home, like, you know, when I was running uh, an office in Coldwell Banker, Beverly Hills, I had two small children. I was juggling. <clears throat> it worked better for me to have a couple days at home, a couple days in the office, but no one forced me to do anything. And my bosses were very, very good and they would work with me. But when you're told you have to stay at home and you can't go outside and you can't do these things because of a global health crisis, there's, I wouldn't like that, Geraldine. I wouldn't like that one bit. Well, it's a whole different mindset, Sandra, because suddenly you, you know, you still have to get this work done, but you're not going to a specific place at a specific time where, where you normally go to work. And that is a designated place to work. Whereas working from home, it's so easy to, well, I'll have another cuppa or I'll, have a little break here or there and getting your mind around the fact that you still can do the same amount of work, even though you're in a different place. It, it's, um, it kind of takes a while to get used to. And I know for me working from home was a whole different ball game. And I had to really get my head around the fact that I was still going to an office even though it was in my home. Um, and I remember there was a, there used to be an advertisement on television where I can't even remember what the ad was about, but, you know, this woman would pick up her handbag and pick up her keys and it looked like she was heading out to work, but she actually just walked up the passageway of the house, opened the door, walked in and put the handbag and the keys down and the office was actually in her home. And I really related to that because 
we have to shift the, the whole idea of heading out the door and getting in the car and commuting and getting to the workplace, just, you know, going to the office at home is a very different scenario, uh, particularly if you're a person who loves the social company of an office space with lots of people around you. Absolutely. You know, there's the camaraderie, there's the, the enjoyment of each other, there's the sharing of stories and things like that, that, that kind of disappear for, you know, more or less of your work day. You know, yeah, you can still talk on the phone, you can still chat, you can still Zoom conference, but it's not the same as sitting in a meeting and looking across like when the boss says something and you and your friend are like, oh God, not this again, you know, and then you look at each other and you both have that shared communication. Um, you know, I think that that can create a lot of loneliness. And I think there's something that happens in me when I used to go to my office three days a week and I came home to a dedicated office in my home, but that wasn't always the case, Geraldine. Sometimes I was working in a coffee shop, working, you know, the whole concept of a mobile office, you know, you kind of work wherever you are And certain industries like real estate cultivate that. But when you have been in an office for a long time and all of a sudden you're, you're forced to work from home. You may not have a dedicated workspace. You may not have, you know, you may be at the kitchen or the dining room table amidst the whole family noise and clutter. You know, when we have something like this, we don't get the luxury of building an office out or carving out a space for us. It's all of a sudden you're working today in the office and now you're not. And I think that's also psychologically jarring. But the biggest one that I see, Dr. Tegelov, is the concept of, you know, when I would go to an office on my drive in, which was about 20 minutes, I could prepare myself to be work, Sandra. And then on my drive home, I might stop and pick up some stuff, but I would be home, Sandra. And you don't get that transition. You know, I'm like an old car. I need a gear change, you know, to go from working, Sandra, to mother, Sandra. And I think psychologically, that's very hard. It is hard, Sandra. And I, I found when I came home to work full time that I had to put into place, I certainly had to find a space to work from, a specific place in the house to work from. And that was one of my first jobs because otherwise, as you say, trying to work from the dining room table or trying to work on the kitchen bench or I... I very quickly discovered that wasn't going to work and I had to find a specified area. And I think to start with, I just had one of those little folding tables and I found a little corner of the, you know, of a room and I set that up and everybody knew that was where I was working from. So, you know, steer clear. But then as you've just been saying, getting the mind ready for work and driving to and fro is even coming home, you're able to work through stuff from the day and get rid of whatever, you know, you can break it down and figure, well, yes, that happened and that happened and then tomorrow I'll be able to do this and maybe I should work on that or whatever. But what I've found working from home, that I really have to go for a walk before I start my work day, as in scheduled work, 
I head out and it doesn't, it doesn't seem to matter whether it's 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever it is. I actually take myself for a walk. And that's my time when I get my head into gear about what am I going to do today? And it doesn't, for me, it doesn't seem to work at home. Mm-hmm. I have to kind of take myself out of home to enable my brain to get into gear for, to, for the day's work. So I guess what I'm saying is you, you need to find that time, whether it's 5, 10, 15, whatever you need, to get your head into gear to say, right, now what am I going to work on today? What, do I, what are the main things I have to do today and how am I going to approach that? And by the time I get back from that walk, and it's quite a brisk walk, you know, I'm, I'm getting myself geared up, then by the time I get back, I'm ready to sit down and get to work. So I think we all need that, still need that lead-in time. We can't go from, from packing the kids' lunches, or which is what we do here, and, you know, getting them out the door and getting everybody organised and <clears throat> making the beds or whatever you do straight into work. <clears throat> Pardon me. You need that little gap in between. Well, I have found anyway, I'm not sure about you, Sandra, just to get my head into gear. I do. I need that transition time from one role to the other because it's a different mindset. It's a different everything. And, you know, Dr. Tegelov, now is a very good time to thank our sponsor today. And our sponsor today is Indeed. Now that's spelled I-N-D-E-E-D.com, Indeed.com. And when you are ready to start your hiring process, you might have lots of questions. Will you find good applicants to choose from? And what about their education and experience? And how will you know you've made the right hire? Well, Indeed is here to help. And millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. What's great about this, Dr. Tegelov, is you can post a job in minutes. And you can use screener questions to help you create a short list of applicants fast. And you can also add skills tests to your job posts so you can be confident in your applicants' abilities. And their library of more than 50 skill tests range from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. So post your job today at indeed.com slash coach talk, just like today's show, C-O-A-C-H-T-A-L-K, coach talk, and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's indeed.com slash coach talk, indeed.com slash coach talk. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through March 31st, 2020. That's indeed.com slash coach talk. Now, Geraldine, when we talk about this forced working from home, I'm so glad that there's companies like indeed.com that can bring this information right to our fingertips and help us navigate through the kind of psychological adjustment that happens to us when suddenly we find ourselves working from home. And I think it's really hard on our spouses and our children because they don't 
recognize that we might be on a conference call. They don't recognize these things because you are just mom or dad or grandma or Aunt Sam sitting at the kitchen table or sitting in the corner working. So there's some training that has to go in to your home environment when all of a sudden you're working from home. Absolutely, Sandra. And it's not just the children and the husband or the spouse or the partner. It's the animals too. (laughs) You know, if you have the dog or the cat or whatever who love to just make little noises, particularly when you're on the conference call, and it's, um, and as you say, it's training all of those people to anyone who's in the household, right? This is mum's working time. And, uh, and this time I have to work regardless of whatever else is going on. You know, if I was going out to work, you would understand. Now you have to train to know that this time is mum's time. And I think that is also made easier, Sandra, by once again finding that specific space from which to work. Mm-hmm. And, and if you have that, then you can put a little note on the door you know, mum's having a conference call or dad and please do not disturb at this point in time. And they'll soon get the hang of it. I know here at home, if my door is closed, everyone knows you can't interrupt mum because she's doing what she does. She's working. So that time and that space is, they very quickly learned that you don't go near mum at that point in time because she has to work but it is difficult and it's made even more difficult with younger children who don't quite understand mum's home so why can't we play well you know Geraldine I was just going to tell you there was a story when my kids were small when I first started working from home and I would pay um you know like a housekeeper nanny babysitter to be in the living room and we'd put the baby gate up so not only could my dog but both of my children who were under the age of six they couldn't come down the hallway to my office because I needed to work I needed to concentrate and of course I would sneak in there because if they saw me going in there they'd want to go in there too so you know it was kind of this fine art of you know like dodging the kids to get into the office so nobody saw me so I'd say Anna take the kids in the kitchen give them a snack I'm going to sneak into my office but every once in a while they would hear and it got to the point where they knew they couldn't go down there but what they took was a little remote control car and they put a note on it and they stuck the little note I still have the note it's like I need to pee because the way the (laughs) gate was So they didn't want to come down. So they drove this little remote control car and it went down the hallway and I heard it going. And then it comes in my office and it's got a little note on it. And they had tried to put a note on the dog's collar and send the dog down, send Sally down, you know, with a little tube note in there. And, you know, it was funny and fun, but it just shows you how when something like this happens, you've got all these unexpected gifts but unexpected challenges because if you can't go to work because of a health crisis in your facility, the likelihood of the schools being closed are also 
a very high probability and the likelihood that no one is going to come over and help babysit your kids. Cause that's what I find a lot of my peers are going through right now in New York city, you know, out in new Rochelle where they can't leave their homes. They can't bring people in. They still want to work and they have obligations. And I think people, when they love their job, Geraldine, when you love what you do, you don't look at something like this as a free vacation. You know, you're yeah. frustrated, you're stressed that your work is not getting done and you might have files there and files here. That was the other thing that always would stress me out when I had my office at Keller Williams for two days a week. And then three days a week, I'm in my home office. Invariably, my laptop would be where I wasn't. The very file I needed was where I wasn't. So there's a lot of things about being organized when you work in a home office and a remote office. And I think too, a lot of it, Sandra, is, is being realistic about it too and going with the flow. I know when I was teaching full time and we had young children and I would find that the easiest and best solution to the whole thing was, and I know a lot of people will go, well, that's not going to work for me, but it worked for me. I would, um, I would pick up the children after school. Being a teacher, I could stop then, pick up the kids from school. We would go home. I would spend the next few hours with them. We'd have, you know, story time and bath time and I'd put them to bed. Then when the house was quiet, that's when I did my work. Right. And I would get the work done in half the time without the stress of being interrupted and yep. you know, I could get my best work done in a couple of hours in the quiet. And so I th think we have to go with the flow a little bit and figure out, well, when is the best time for me to get my work done? Yes. And, and I, I'm sorry, but I don't care how good you are at work. We all have peak times when we work and times when we're not so you know, productive. And so it's, deciding that, well, I can really work full on for, for this particular amount of time and I can get twice as much done. In fact, I can triple my output in those few hours. Absolutely. And I think a lot of time, um, you know, even at work and even if we are totally dedicated, there are still times in our work day where we're not terribly productive, where we we do struggle a little to get sure. things done. So, you know, making that time at home, even if the kids are really young and they go for their nap during the day, then that's when you work and you get a lot of work done in a very short amount of time. Well, and I think, you know, when you talk about um, when mm. is your best time to work, I don't know about other mothers or fathers. I can only speak about myself. But if my kids are in the other room, and my kids are preteen and teenagers now, so you know they're not little ones. But if I hear them bickering in the kitchen, if I hear them arguing upstairs, if I hear a thump upstairs, you know, because they're boys, you know, I know somebody fell out of the bunk bed or somebody jumped out of the bunk bed, whatever it is, I cannot get a full, clean, clear focus and. What I've been doing, which I know, you know, is not the greatest idea for your overall health, but it certainly does the trick. I will take a nap in the afternoon because I can wake up and go to sleep, wake up and go to sleep. 
And then at 10 o'clock at night, when my kids are asleep, my dad's asleep, I will work from 10 to three in the morning and I can get Dr. Tegelov, I can get 90% of my work done for two days in the middle of the night. First of all, nobody's on the internet, so it's smoking fast. Number two, I have time to answer emails before five more pile in because, you know, that, that snowball effect yes. that happens during the workday. You know, they're all there. And a lot of times what I find with my staff is if I don't get back to them right away, things tend to resolve. Yes. Like, here's the email. I don't know what I'm doing. Then, like, 10 minutes later... Uh, I have this question. And then 20 minutes later, don't worry, I figured it out. Ignore the other emails. So, you know, you get a certain amount of those as a manager in your work day, but I can get two days worth of work from 10 at night to three in the morning if I'm rested because it's dead silence. There's no, there's not one distraction. And you know what? Nobody's texting me at midnight. Nobody's calling on the phone. I just am completely focused. So one of the things that I've been doing recently is one night a week, I work from 10 to three in the morning. And then that following morning, I get up, I do my morning routine with the kids and I purposely don't schedule any meetings and I sleep for three, four hours. Absolutely. So, and look, we did this. Um, well, I'm not sure, but for me, I mean, we did this when the, when we had babies didn't we? We did. We would catch a nap whenever we could. And we would be up during the evening to feed or to change or whatever had to be done. Or to watch the wiggles for like two hours because one of my kids slept when the other one was awake. So there was never, they never were in sync. (laughs) It never worked out. And, And you still managed to get things done. So I think we have to really go, as I said, go with the flow a bit and Take time to figure out what works best for, you know, the individual. What's the best work time? And not stress over it and get caught up in that I, you know, I'm at home working and I have to work from 9 till 4.30 or whatever it is. You can do your work in whatever time suits you. And that's one of the joys of working from home. Mm -hmm. And if you're not being creative at 9 o'clock in the morning because you've had a really busy morning and, and things have happened in the morning that have just made it crazy as sometimes happen, particularly with children. And you, you get to work at nine o'clock and you think, Oh, and now I'm, you know, expected to be creative and in this wonderful zone and you're not. You're so not. At home, you can take that time. And when that creativity strikes, you can sit down and do it. And, and, you know, sometimes working from home, I find anyway, I always take a notepad and pen with me mm-hmm. or I've got my phone to record on. And when I'm out and about and things just pop into my mind as they do, because you've got them rolling around in your head all the time. What am I going to do about that? And what am yep. I going to write about that? I quickly record the ideas and when I get home, oh my goodness, I've got half the work done already. Right. So well, I- that's the sometimes, you know, like I'll go to the grocery store in the middle of the work day, or my favorite is to put all this deep condition in my hair. I run myself a big bath and then I sit there with a notepad because yeah. just 
you know, just to relax enough, a lot of times is enough to take the stress level down for me to figure out some of the tech problems I'm working on, to schedule my meetings, to sit there. And I think I can just take a breather. And when you take that breather and you're away from your phone or you're away from everything, it's amazing how you can be so refreshed to solve these problems, especially without more email coming through, more calls coming through, more. And that's when I just take a time out. And I really try to focus on getting all of my work meetings within a 10 to 3 window. So if you can't meet with me today between 10 and 3, and I understand many of you, like sometimes there's conference calls and you don't get to set that time. But wherever you can, I do my meetings in that 10 to 3 window because I know my kids are in school. I know that someone else is responsible for them so I can focus. And so I will also sometimes take meetings depending on what time zone they're in. They might be 4, 5, 6 in the morning or seven, eight, nine, ten 10 at night. And even though that makes a blurring of your work day, because sometimes I don't feel like I ever have a day off, but then I don't feel like I work all the time either. You know, it's this weird composite because your work, your kind of your work life flow balance just becomes all one. And the one thing I have to be careful of that I really, you know, caution uh, some people as they begin to work from home, all of a sudden you gain sometimes two hours in your day because you're no longer commuting. So what do you do with those two hours? And I'm going to say, give one to the company, give one to your family, or give one to your family and one to yourself. But don't pack more work into those hours, because now you've just taken your eight-hour workday, turned it into a 10-hour workday for the same amount of money, and you rob your family or you rob yourself of that personal time. So I'm a proponent of it when you switch from working in a traditional office to home, or you're forced to do that, use those extra hours wisely. Take a nap if you need to. Do something with your kids, something that's going to fulfill you. Don't cram more work in it. Because I did that one year, and I really burned out. Oh, so agree, Sandra, because it's very easy to let the work take over, and you just keep working. And, and don't take that time, particularly for self, Sandra. It is so easy to, um, you know, when you've got family and young children, you just, you know, you spend all your time on them and then all the rest of the time is on work. But if you have these extra hours, spend a little time on self. Just enjoy doing things that you love to do. And I guarantee that you'll work so much better for it. It, Absolutely. Absolutely. But I find, Sandra, that one of the biggest issues working from home and working on, particularly if you're working in your own business from home, is the isolation. Yeah. That's a really tricky one. And because you are constantly on your own and there's no office next door to run somebody to run ideas past or there's no meeting to go to where everybody is collaborating and finding ideas to talk about or to put into place working from home particularly if you're working in your own business the isolation can be quite overpowering yes and i know for me it's finding those people that you can chat to, that you yes. can 
run ideas past or you can um, just talk through the day or talk through your issues and problems. And so having that somebody is so important or having a group of people that you know that you can connect to. It's a phone call or a video call or whatever, but setting up that group of people or even if it's one or two better than nothing so that you're not feeling totally isolated and sometimes that doesn't even have to be about work it can just be how's your day going and you know how do you cope with this or how do you work with that yeah I don't do you find the same I do and I have my little kind of my little home office routines, you know, I have my home office coffee cup. I don't use my home office coffee cup for anything else. I get up in the morning and I put my coffee, you know, in my little coffee mug and I go, you know, down the hall to my office. I shut the door. And the first thing I do is I look through and I go, okay, I'm going to make one little video call to somebody in my work sphere of influence and just check in with them. And, you know, they're always the same five or six ladies and gentlemen, but, you know, I will video call them. I'll text them, hey, have five minutes for a video chat. Then it's just, hey, what are you working on today? I'm working on this, blah, 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 blah. Almost like you would when you go into an office. And then I settle down and I go to work, but I need that five minute connection to not feel completely disconnected from the world. I think so, Sandra. And it's creating that little um, support team I think around you that you can go to and back and forth so it's also give and take you know if those people then call you it's taking that five minutes to chat with them and help them work through they always have the solution themselves you don't have to come up with the solution it's just having a listening ear that they can talk out loud what they're thinking and you can go yes or no or have you thought this way or that way So it is um, giving and receiving, but it's certainly important to have those people in place. Absolutely. And the other thing that I do in the morning before I start my day, and I I love this little routine, and I, I came across it just by chance, but I usually check my social media before I start my day. I like to go in and look around and kind of see what, what's, what's, what's doing. Um, And I make a concerted effort to write at least five positive things on the feed somewhere. So if somebody's kid is really cute, if a post is really funny, if the, um, if the recipe looks yummy, you know, if the person is struggling, I'll write a little two or three uplifting line. I can't tell you how being positive to others on social media sets your day off with a bang. Like just that two or three minutes of reading through the feed, finding something genuine and positive to say on a post and then sit down and do your work. It's like you're a different person. Oh, it makes you feel so good. And I agree, Sandra, I do that too. I don't do it first thing in the morning, but at some point um, during the day, I take five minutes out exactly the same, Sandra. And, and just quickly runs through the, the feed of social media and, oh, yes, and write a little something or like things or whatever. 
and you're making other people's day as well. It's lovely to go in and find these little comments or whatever it is. But yes, I totally agree. And making those connections is so important. And you feel good. You know, like when you come into work in the morning, sometimes like I'll drag myself in or I'll be like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed with all I have to do. Or like, Geraldine, you can see the video cast of this and you can just see, the, you know, the piles, you know, because you can always tell when I'm going, you know, like I'm kind of sinking by, by Wednesday, Thursday, you know, the piles are really big and then I have Friday to plow through them. But to just take a break and be positive is more about me than anybody else. I think, and Sandra, the other little thing that I am, am quite, um, I don't know, this is my little secret thing too, that before I go to my home office and before I start work, I actually go to the bathroom and I do put on the lipstick and I make sure the hair is done because it just puts me in a, a work kind of zone in my head. You know, there are some days too, particularly early morning or late evening where I'm in the tracksuit pants and the, the T-shirt or whatever. But if it's a serious day's work, I figure, right, I'm going to go and do the hair, put the face on, you know, the lipstick on and whatever, and feel good within myself before I start work. And I know that's crazy because I'm not going to see anybody. But No, but I will say when you look up and when you get in the morning and you look at the mirror and you don't like what you see, like sometimes I look chalk white, you know, I'm really fair anyway. And especially <laughs> the dead of winter, you know, my lips have no color. You know, I, I look like Casper, the friendly radio host. And, you know, to put on a little lipstick, to pull my hair back or at least comb my hair or pull on a nice cozy sweater, something or a nice top. I'm not getting dressed like I would go to an office, but I also feel different. And I will, you're going to laugh at me this, Geraldine. I have my winter work pajamas. Like I have, <laughs> like in the summer, I work a lot in a little sundress or shorts or a t-shirt. But in the winter, I'm always cold and I don't want to sit in slacks. I don't want to have, so 